For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey, what's up, Catella Chronicles fans? It's the one and only Dominic Lorenz with my wonderful co-host, David Goodkind, in the house as we get set up for episode number 15 of the Catella Chronicles podcast. David, as we record this on uh, a beautiful Monday, May the 8th, you and I enter this podcast a little salty right now. How are, how are your feelings? And first, how are you? But tell the fans why we are salty. Personally, I'm doing well, but today I'm a little bit salty. Um... Gary Bettman knows why I'm salty today. I think the NHL should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I want to see the, the lottery live for once instead of this, uh, oh, we'll reveal the results later kind of thing. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with who the Ducks should and probably will draft. But Chicago getting this pick, uh, super predictable. The sportsbook saw it coming. I saw it coming months ago. Um, it was just really, really frustrating. So uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm salty. I'll get over it. I'm going to be very happy draft day. But for right now, the NHL, you and I are not on good terms. No, not at all. It's a tough day if you're an Anaheim Ducks fan. And here at Catella Chronicles, we cover our Angels and we cover our Ducks. And the Ducks had the worst season in franchise history, bottom of the barrel in the entire NHL. 25.5% odds to get the number one overall pick. And at the last possible moment, they get their legs cut off and they're going to get a number two pick, which is still going to be a very good pick, but it comes at the hands of the Chicago Blackhawks, who only had 11.7% odds of getting the number one pick. So a very salty day for the Anaheim Ducks after a horrible season. The fans, the organization deserve much better in the midst of coaching changes, a youth movement, rebuild process. You know, the pick is going to be nice. Whoever the Ducks go with at number two, they would be a number one pick any other year. I know it's tough to watch Connor Bedard just go off the board. If Chicago balks at that, I'd be floored and shocked. I don't it think they it are. It won't happen. It's, 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 it's a whole mess. It's the history behind all this. The Ducks came up just short with Sidney Crosby. It's deja vu all over again. And one could argue that due to the circumstances around the Chicago, um, they sh probably shouldn't have a first round draft pick. So there's um, a lot of frustration, I think, among, among the Ducks fan base on what should be celebrated. The circumstances cloud all that and, and, and really do damper what should be a happy day. Um, and, and there's just no, I, 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 I think you can justify being really happy with the duck situation at the moment. I think you can justify being really upset. I don't think there is a wrong or right way to respond to, to what happened today. Of course. And I think what was rubbing even salt in the salty wound 
was when the guy that was flipping the cards flips the Ducks logo backwards as the last card. Now, for those who don't know and didn't watch the NHL lottery, they went 16-3, to then commercial break, and then they went with the number one pick first and then revealed the number two pick last. So the Ducks were the last card to be flipped, but the guy flipped it the wrong way and it was backwards. So just rub the salt in the room, and that is, guess what, the first official hockey meme of the Ducks 2023-2024 campaign, now that we look at it. That just, it, on a scale of 1 to 10, that's like 100 on the salty, rub the salt in the wound chart. You think Batman's going to get uh, a lot of cheers next time he's in Anaheim? I don't even remember the last time he was in Anaheim. It might have been one of the playoff runs, maybe the Stanley Cup, who knows? Stay clear, man. Stay yeah. clear. Uh, we are, you're not welcome out here. Us as Angel fans have to deal with enough with Artie Moreno still having ownership qualities at the Angels organization. Now we have to deal with the NHL and Gary Bettman. To be a SoCal hockey or Ducks fan, or, or pardon me, Ducks or Angels fan right now, it, it can be incredibly painful. And not to rub even more salt in the wound, um, if you throw in the Clippers involved for David's sake. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry on that regard as well. But yeah. hey, but it's hey. Fair. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback now with the Jets. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping <laughs> this one year is really nice. Um, now, but for the Ducks, I mean, the core the core is awesome. Um, you know, whoever they pick should elevate the team. Um, they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders. It just probably would have been uh, um, – the, the process probably would have been a, sped up faster with Bedard, and the possibility of a dynasty is probably better with him. Um so you kind of get that instant gratification, which would have been really, really, really nice. Um, but, you know, picking second overall in a draft where you have three guys who are, could arguably be a number one pick in any given year. Um, you can't complain too much. I, I It's just, it's, it's Chicago, man. It's always Chicago. And 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 that's, that's where the frustration therein lies. If Columbus were to pass the Ducks, I guarantee you the uproar wouldn't have been as bad. No. Guarantee you. Not I think at the all. acceptance would have been more widespread. I think we would have been like, yeah, that sucks, but it is what it is. This is something that a lot of people saw coming. And I am the opposite of conspiracy theorist, but I'm I'm on I'm on the, the, the bandwagon of the thing was rigged. It, and it feels like it is. It's like when, when MPE was getting these accusations, you started seeing the real-time pulling of this, uh, of the of their lottery system. And it, what has the NHL done to rectify that? Like Proof that it's not rigged because it sure seems like it. And everybody talks about the NFL having that script. They talked about it during the Super Bowl right. and the NFC title game between the Eagles and the Niners and all this stuff. But if if there was any sport right now that's really under the hot seat with the whole script or whatever, the NHL today proved that on lock. Now, the one positive thing about the Ducks, they have a lot of cap space to play with in free agency once again. This season, so get, getting Connor Bedard would have been fantastic because he probably draws one or two big players in just because of his talent level and what he represents. I still think with whatever the Ducks pick at number two could still draw in one or two key free agents. Are the Angels? Or pardon me, not the Angels. We'll get to that in a moment. The Ducks is Pat Verbeek gonna just unload the dump truck and shell out all this money and basically buy a playoff team? No, that doesn't seem like his mentality right now. But the Ducks are still in a good position now with the number two pick and free agency that they can get to a more playoff quality team a little bit faster than maybe some projected to happen. 
But also you have, not this season, but the next one, you have Austin Matthews, free agent from Arizona, West Coast kid. There's a, the opportunity here in lies for the Ducks. This is very pivotal. You know, the Ducks didn't get what they wanted in the number one pick. And, you know, as the NHL is scripted, they didn't cut to the Ducks camp at JT Schmitz and uh, Pat Verbeek when that number two pick went to them. You know, so it was probably a gut punch today. The Ducks, as I said already, are in the midst of finding their new coach after firing Dallas Aikens. So there is some transition once again in this organization, but hope is not lost. They still have some core young players in Ch- Terry, Zegris, uh, McTavish. They have some guys in the pipeline as well with Zellweger and much more. So have no fear if you're the Ducks. It's going to be some rough sledding still, but there is positivity on the horizon, no doubt about it. I think I think they needed a top two pick regardless. I think the number three pick kind of got dicey. There was more room for error there. I yeah. think the top two picks are pretty much set what's going to happen. So um, um, they were bailed up that way. I think Columbus, for example, is in a worse spot. And so the True. Ducks, doomsday scenario didn't happen. It's just Chicago. It's yeah. freaking Chicago. It's always that. You know, but that- you know what? It feel good when we beat them in the playoffs and and – uh, all is forgiven, you know, all the, all the salty memories will, will be gone. So Yeah. We hope, you know, cross your fingers, hope for the best. We still got a long time, you know, a couple more weeks until the draft next month in June and then the off season workouts. And then before you know it, baseball season will be over and we'll have hockey season once again in orange County. But before we move on from the ducks and go to our beloved halos. Now I want you, the fans to remember, you can check us out. Catella Chronicles on Twitter and Instagram at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N or check out our website www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are 35 plus games into the Angels season as right now they're taking on the Houston Astros in game one of a three-game set here on Monday, May the 8th. Month and a half, almost a month and a half is in the books. There's a lot to unpack. Offense, pitching, wild things that have happened through the first month and a half of the season. We're just getting back here into the podcasting world. So there's a lot of angles we could go on this between David and I. David, I'll let you, from the mythical hat here, pick one topic that you would like to start off with with the Angels season. Again, through 35 games, 19 and 16 record, two games behind the Texas Rangers. And to put this into perspective, the Angels losing two to, of three to the Rangers this past weekend after a four and two road trip between the Milwaukee Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals to wrap up April into May. So what is the first topic you want to bring to the table first here with the Angels discussion? Well, uh, I think there's a whole lot I want to talk about today, but I think the, the overall theming is this team is showing a trend that we've kind of seen in the past where they're surviving, but not thriving. So right now they're beating teams they should beat and they're losing to teams they should lose to or losing to teams that are kind of like a 50-50, same level playing field push like Texas. Uh, those are series you got to win, but they're not series that that are gimmies either. So um, it's, it's encouraging in that they seem... Uh, more stable than they did last season, but discouraging because the ceiling isn't being raised uh, high enough to be a, a true playoff contender just yet. No, and I agree with you. I think there's been moments with this team where we've said, hey, if they can keep this up, playoffs or just a over 500 record by the end of the year is definitely capable. 
but then they have these mental lapses, sometimes late in games, sometimes early in games. Look at the the big game against Oakland a couple weeks ago where it was back and forth, a big rally, blow it late. Same thing with Kansas City earlier in the season. They have these high of highs, but then we see some very bad lows with this team. So it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde mentality a little bit from the Angels. I think I think we both can agree on this one. The offense is not to be worried with right now. They've done plenty through this season to keep the team in they, winning position and probably win maybe six or seven games that are in the loss column right now. They're uh they're fine. Yeah. They're, that's a, that's a lineup that could be a threat in the playoffs. That's a lineup that can get you to the playoffs. If you have enough pitching, which I'm sure we'll get into in a yeah. bit, but yeah, the lineup itself, um, you'd, you'd like to see um, better, better numbers with runners and scoring position position you'd like to see more clutch at bats um you'd like to see more power out of it at times from certain guys like like uh Urshela or, or or Renfro but uh overall there's not that's it's a, it's mostly nitpicking the lineup has been producing regularly so far so um yeah like you said they're they're holding their weight uh, as much as they can right now but there's room for improvement Yes, and the two positives I take from the Angels' offense right now, not only are they keeping the pitching staff in a game late, you know, you think eight runs a game should be plenty to win a ball game on the pitching side of things. So that's an automatic positive for this offense. The two I like to look at is their scoring runs, and that's something that the Angels were kind of inept over the last couple of years, and they're scoring runs consistently. There's been many of times they scored five or more runs in a game this year. I would say more than half of the regular season thus far. So that's positive. The big one that I've been circling is the amount of strikeouts. They were top five in baseball last year in strikeouts. Remember, we had a hitting coach change over the offseason. Remember, what was the big uh, phrase last year? We'd rather strike out than hit into double plays or some wacky. Yeah, and that some nonsense. Is, yeah. Now, as I looked uh, last night, so before today's game against the Houston Astros, the Angels currently ranked 22nd in baseball, in strikeouts. That is a dramatic change. They're putting the ball in play more. So I'm going to give my ups to the new Angels hitting coach and hitting staff, and including the new players as well, Renfro, Drury, Urshela. They're putting the ball in play. And I think the depth of this team, which is something you've been harping on for a long time, um, and I'll get your take on this in a moment when I finish my thought, is the depth of this team has really for once in a very long time, is not the Achilles heel of the Angels. So for you, on a scale of 1 to 10, grading Perry Manassian moves over the offseason, addressing the offensive depth of the team, what would you give that score now that we have some games to look at? Uh, I would think an 8. There's always room for improvement, but yeah. all said and done, probably with what he had to work with and um, – what he replaced, most importantly, I think I think he did a nice job. And I misspoke when I mentioned Renfro's power numbers. I meant to say Rendon. Oh. When we're talking about depth, he really needs to pick it up. One home run is not going to cut it. You are, no. uh, I know, like you said, there's more depth around you. It's not as much you. You don't have the responsibility that you once did, but this team really needs you to produce. Um, he, he's getting on base, which is great, but. Uh, we need we need we need that power threat back. We need Anthony Rendon. We need Tony Two Bags. It needs to come back uh, for this team to really really take off and be dangerous. And it can. Um, he he's uh, he's kind of having a weird season. 
in that he's you know he is getting on base but he doesn't look quite the same and obviously on the defensive end uh bar i know he made a really awesome play right before we got on the broadcast or on the podcast but um yeah uh his defense has been suspect this year so he's he's one of those pieces that we talk about like the new additions i think he's probably the most important addition coming back to this lineup and producing and we it's it's not a unique thought that anthony rendon ultimately is the key piece in this lineup and i, I really think that yeah i would have to do some deep dive into the stats to see you know, we know what the record is with Rendon and without Rendon due to all the injuries over the last couple of seasons. But just look at the batting average and how he lengthens the lineup and takes pressure off Trout and Otani and even Taylor Ward sometimes. And with some of the new additions of Renfro and Drury and Urshela, it really helps to have that extra key piece. Now, what's good about Anthony Rendon is right now through 35 plus games, he's played in all the games. Yes, he's had those scheduled days off and so on and so forth, or the thumb, you know, colliding with Matt Theis, or, you know, the issue in Oakland after opening day with the altercation with the fan and being suspended for a couple of games. So he's missed time because of small nitpicky things, but knock on wood, I don't know if there's wood, I have some over here. There's been no IL stint for Anthony Rendon. So that's been a big positive to this team. So he is a key piece. Out of all the new additions, Renfro, Urshela, Drury, and even you can consider to a small degree, Brett Phillips. I know that sounds like a lot because he does have only one hit this year, but out of all those new pieces, I'm going to give Brett Phillips some props here. He's that energizer bunny in the dugout. He keeps, from what it appears on TV, the dugout light. He keeps that high energy. You see Otani messing with him. You see Trout laughing. You know, Trout's always that focused guy and he'll kind of make a smile and a grin but you see him kind of giggling around him with all these new guys so through those missteps early very early on in the season where the angels were under 500 for a little bit then they go on a good little eight out of ten and then you know the tough two out of three against texas but you're seeing them rise at a good time was it like last year where it was the high of highs and then literally the bottom was taken out of you it's kind of a difference this year of kind of having a kind of pick up from your bootstraps a little bit early on in the season. And then over the past week and a half, seen some winning ways come about. Right. It's definitely preferable. Uh, yeah. You can look at Pittsburgh as an example of what happened in the angels last year. Pittsburgh's kind of going through it right now too. Um, it happens every year. A team that's not going to be there at the end gets really hot. And for a couple months, you're like, are they serious? Are they legit? Usually happens with teams like the Orioles and now Pittsburgh. Um, the angels were that team last year. Um unfortunately but you you know all all the contenders right now aside from tampa and and atlanta to an extent are, are going through it so uh everyone's kind of just feeling their way out um spring training was weird this year because of the World baseball classic uh so the fact that they're there there's a lot to be encouraged with the angels right now is what i'm trying to get at and, and even with the struggles it's they have not lost the division or lost their playoff spot at this point in the season. I'm a big believer that you can't win a division in April and May, but you can lose one. And they haven't positioned themselves to lose the lose anything just yet. They're staying afloat. But I think this stretch is really important for them. Um, they need to get better. They need to show signs, really show signs of improvement defensively, the mental lapses, um, create good habits. And they haven't really done that yet. And that's what we really need to start doing because like you mentioned, the talent's there. Um, 
to, to be in contention. I'm not going to go out and say this team is, is, is a world series contender or even a playoff contender, but to be good, to create problems for the rest of the rest of the division, the rest of the AL, the rest of the NL, they have that potential to do that. And we've already seen some of that there, you know, we saw trout hit a clutch home run for the first time in what felt like forever. So, you know, there the are, they are clicking in, in, in some aspects and we just want to see repetition. Let's cut back on mistakes up, up the, the good things. So, um, and the depth have, has already obviously helped with that. You're not going to get in a big ruts with, with a bunch of, uh, quadruple A guys out there. No, not at all. And I, I agree. And, and a shameless plug here, David does a great job every week of posting our top 10 power rankings list. So mentioning the pirates and the Orioles and all the other teams outside of the Los Angeles Angels franchise. David does a fantastic job. We Thank release you. those every Monday on Twitter and Instagram. But looking at the league as a whole in comparison to where the Angels are at right now, again, coming into today, two games back of the Texas Rangers, just the AL West for a moment. Texas has been a very good surprise, even though Jacob deGrom's been injury-filled early on this year. They got Nady Evaldi, and he shoved against the Angels on Saturday. Their offense has been red hot. I think, I don't know about you, I kind of predicted their offense would be good and the pitching would be suspect, or maybe it was vice versa. It kind of They were kind of a hit-and-miss type of team. And the Angels yeah. and the Angels are doing what they're doing. Houston's limping right now because they've had injuries to their pitching rotation, and Altuve is still out for another couple of weeks, which is a big hindrance to their lineup. Seattle hasn't played to their capabilities yet. And Oakland, well, they're moving to Vegas. So, you know, woo, Vegas, go party. Go party. I feel really bad for those fans. Uh, (laughs) I know they're division rival, but most of the Oakland fans I've, I've met are known. Uh, they're chill people. Uh, they're diehards. And even as an angel fan, I, my heart kind of breaks for them a little bit. So uh, um, just know that, that we're thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, it, it sucks. Um, and uh, we're on your side on this one. Call, call us if you need us type mentality. Yeah. You know, we've been through maybe not stadium issues and such like that, but we have ownership problems. So yeah, we know what it's like events. to have that owner. Exactly. So vent about that for a little while. But in terms of the entire AL West right now, what are your takes in the sense of, is this kind of where it's going to be the rest of the season? Is there going to be some changes? Because you got to feel that Houston is going to get hot at some point once they get fully healthy. Yeah, I think uh, I think I still think Houston's going to win the division. And I still think they're going to win it comfortably. I think Seattle has put themselves into a precarious position where they may be in trouble because of how slowly they've started. Like I said, you can't win the division now, but you can lose it. I think that that's they're they're really going to turn around because they're not playing great baseball. Texas is an interesting case. Texas has the talent, and I'm not surprised their offense is raking. I'm not even surprised their pitching is pitching well. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for the injury bug to not just hit the ground, but to hit everyone. They have a really fragile rotation, so that's kind of what I circle for them. To, to be their Achilles heel is health. Uh, they do have their weaknesses are where they're older, obviously uh, the rotations part of that. I, I think that when they start losing some pitchers, they're, they're good. Their offense is going to carry them, um, but their pitching is going to be a problem. And their bullpen has not been good so far. They should have swept the angels this past series uh, and their bullpen imploded. So the angels are lucky in that sense. They really should have been swept. If we, if we're being honest, but 
thankfully the Texas bullpen doesn't look good and they've had, they've had a rough month. So um, I think every single team in the AL West has uh, obvious weaknesses. Um, I still think, I think, I think the Ash, the only reason I think the Astros running with the division is because they've been there. They've done that for a long time now, even if they're not winning the world series, it is what they do. So they have, you know, and the only threat to them realistically the last decade has been Oakland and they're not going to do anything this year. So <laughs> sorry, Oakland. <laughs> um, Oakland always finds a way when they, when they have the team, but they're really not, they're really trying not to have the team this year. Yeah, so they, they really are a triple A team. They want to lose. Um, yeah. and, and they're good at that. So, uh, the Astros are, are making it interesting for themselves too. If I'm going to put Seattle in that, in that spot of, of, doing harm to yourself Houston's in that same boat but it's just like I have more trust in them to figure it out whereas Seattle they can be great they can be terrible neither would really shock me yeah I think where we are right now Oakland's going to be at the bottom sorry Oakland fans it's just how it's going to be Houston I I agree been there done that mentality they're going to figure it out they have Dusty Baker Altuve will come back healthy. Bregman will figure it out. They remind me of the Warriors a lot. Yes, yeah. you can't count okay. out a team that that it has that winning mentality that's been there that keeps being that that ha- they're a dynasty in a lot yeah. of ways, and it's really hard to count them out. They can have a bad month and bounce back. The Angels yeah. can't afford to have a bad yeah. month. That's the difference between the two. Texas, mm-hmm. Texas is an interesting case, and they're kind of like the Angels in a sense where you think you have them figured out but then something turns the tide a little bit. And maybe you can factor Seattle into that because I think a lot of people thought Seattle would be where Texas was and Texas would be where Seattle is. So it's interesting how the AL West, with the exclusion of Oakland, has really played out early on this season. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams handle adversity as, as it presents itself during the regular, during, during the regular season, I guess. Um, Houston has sort of stayed afloat. They were really hot for a while and then kind of cooled back down. Uh, being, you know, they're, they are obviously already injury plagued, but we'll see what happens with Texas um, and, and Seattle. Seattle right now just isn't playing to potential. Um, so they, they don't really have much of an excuse it's, in my opinion. It sounds like a true Jerry DePoto team right now. Yeah, <laughs> nothing against bit. Jerry DePoto, but a little something against Jerry. But DePoto. it won't surprise me if they turn around because they have the horses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in a prime. They're kind of like Houston with the, I don't want to say been there, done that, but they have the pieces that could be legit. Texas has pieces, but they need to prove themselves. Angels, same yeah. thing. They have the pieces need to prove themselves. So that's why Houston and Seattle, in my eyes, are in the same category. A little a couple nuance changes. Angels and Texas are in a category very similar as well. So interesting sure. start to the AL, but the Angels aren't out of it. Just two games out of first. They could be battling for a wild card because teams like the New York Yankees are in last place and the AL mm-hmm. Central is a mess after the Minnesota Twins. Man, that first. AL East is a gauntlet. Yeah. You you know, Tampa Absolutely Bay starting gauntlet. off 13-0, then losing. Toronto's been very good. Boston's finding a resurgence. Baltimore, which is somebody I said that was going to be a sleeper team, that I I put them as third in the division behind the Yankees I, and the uh, uh, Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Second, yeah. I um I probably still have. I mean, I don't even know where I would put them, but I agree with you. Uh, they've been doing everything right yeah. the past couple of years. Their farm's ready to go, and we're starting to see them click. Uh, that's a that's a team that's 
that's going to be good, not just this year, but moving forward. They have a lot of really good young talent. Yeah, and that's and that can be scary. You know, the Angels' next road trip is going to take them through Cleveland and Baltimore. Cleveland's got the pitching, even though they don't have the offense. Baltimore has the young talent, has more offense than pitching, but their pitching's been rolling on all cylinders so far this year. So the Angels, within their next four, three, over their next 10 games, including tonight, is going to need to figure out how to at least win six out of 10 in order to keep pace at this point in May. And remember, everybody's playing everybody this year. So you've got to take advantage of these interdivision games. They've taken care of business against Seattle, two out of three. They've taken five out of seven against Oakland and one out of three against Texas. So overall, the Angels haven't done that bad in comparison to years past against right. their own so far. Hopefully, you know, they're tied at four right now in the fifth or sixth. Those, those Texas games matter, though, man. They yeah. gotta, they, that can't happen again. No, it the really Angels, can't. I think we can agree that a two out of three series win versus Houston is the bare minimum after getting your butt whooped against Texas this weekend. Especially especially with them shorthanded. Yes. This is you have to take advantage because they're not they're not going to be this down going forward. No. So the AOS is going to be tough. The wild card will be tough because look at the AL East. Thinking of the entire American League picture and honing it back on into the Angels. We talked a little bit about the offense. But let's talk about an area where the Angels have not been very good with maybe the exclusion of Otani, Matt Moore, and Andrew Wamps. The pitching. The pitching last year carried the offense. So far this year, the offense has carried the pitching. And frustrating, right? Frustrating. You know, it's almost like the last three years. 2021, Jared Walsh was fantastic. 2022, and hopefully all is well with Jared Walsh and the things that are going on injury-wise. That article that came out on The Athletic was eye-opening. No depth perception. He really wasn't feeling – basically, he had no control over his body. And that's a scary thing to have yeah. for not even a baseball player, just a human being within itself. So, you know, cheers up to uh, Jared Walsh. But he didn't have a good 2022 season. Renhifo has a good 2022, a little slow to start 23 and now the pitching was good last year and not so good right now. So the Angels are in that, is it a fluke or is it real phase? And the pitching has just downright not been good. Let's start with the bullpen. Because the starters, I think we can go deeper on, but the bullpen is pretty cut and dry in my eyes. Estevez has been coming on pretty good. I think he's our lockdown closer yeah, for the moment right now. Uh, Wance is back up. He's been doing pretty good. Matt Moore has been legit as an aged veteran, been around the league for a while. He's been a nice middle relief help. Tapera had the injury, has come back and looked pretty good or at least better. But then you have guys like Loop who are struggling to figure it out. And Kihata, unfortunately, Tommy John surgery. Austin Warren, Tommy John surgery. The list goes on and on in regards to the bullpen. How do we fix it? That's as simple as it can be right now because you're not going to wave the fairy godmother's wand and they're just going to magically throw up zero ERAs for a month straight. How can you, the best way I could put it is even things out so there's not as much drastic ebbs and flows. Million dollar question, right? How do you fix it? <laughs> bullpen, I'm pretty sure 90% of the teams in baseball are asking themselves the same question. Yeah. 
it's very rare to find a team with a good bullpen. It just Nowadays, is. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Um, with the Angels, I guess the best thing you can rely on is Nevin kind of understanding. I mean, he's been preaching urgency. Uh, now you got to show it when that means pushing the right buttons with the bullpen. Um, if you have to get on someone's bad side by not playing them, then so be it. Like yep. you, you, you can't, you can't be the nice guy. You have to win these games. You cannot be blowing late leads. Um, every win matters. Wins in April matter the same as wins in September. Uh, so it's kind of about pushing the right, uh, p- uh, right buttons, but I don't know how, how much they can add to this before the deadline, how much they can fix it, fix what needs to be fixed. Um, you kind of need the farm system to kind of pan out, really. That's kind of where the hope is until July. You can reassess. Um, just pray, really. That's that's really the only solution at the moment. Um, and and kind of if you have to get creative, then get creative. But you have to work with what you got. And I'm I'm I feel like we're not really seeing in our in this sense. I don't believe that we're seeing flukes or or one way or the other, good or bad. I think. You kind of know what you got. Loop is not going to be a contributor this season. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I feel bad for the guy, um, but I believe trends and the trends say this is it. And um, it's yeah, it's tough. And there there will be more injuries, so it's you're going to have to rely on guys in the farm. So it's about development for lower levels and hoping they can come out come up to the big leagues and and their stuff translates into success really. And so it's a lot of just holding on, praying for dear life, in my opinion, right now with, with what they have. And sometimes you can only ask the offense to do so much. The offense right. is looking at these pitchers saying, we gave you nine runs of support and you can't lock it down and get that coveted third out. That's where it's tough. I think if you're angels fans, even if you're within the minds of the angels offense and even coaching staff, you're saying, how can we not get three outs and just enjoy a lead? This is what I've been enjoying. I don't want to say enjoying, sarcastically enjoying it. Every time, and this is not just this year, it's last year, it's the year before, it's since the dawn of Angels baseball. The moment the Angels get a lead, like tonight, a solo home run from Hunter Renfro, five minutes later, the next half inning, gone in a heartbeat, or it's a tie, or they yield yield the lead. I would love to get a stat cast or some deep baseball savant stat line of how many times the angels have done that gotten the lead in one inning and the very next half inning either allow the opposing team to tie or to take the lead because i think that would be an astronomical number that would clearly put the angels near the top of the list no doubt about it probably yeah yeah so the bullpen is yes a kind of a you know kind of just Hold your rosary beads and hope for the best at this point. You get guys like Berea, four clean innings of work on Friday, which allowed the Angels to get into that situation of walking it off, even though it was a wild pitch. A win's a win at the end of the day. But then potentially next time around, he could have a slump performance. There's just no consistency, and that's always been a key even for the in, Angels. Even in that, you know you know, guys – Guys like that, it, when I mean like you know what you have, mm-hmm. you know that you're you're gonna get someone who's gonna be steady or completely blow up. You know it's a 50-50 kind of guy. So I wouldn't say there's anyone in the bullpen that's automatic lockdown. 
Um, it's not like how Iglesias a couple of years ago where he came in and it was over. Uh, we don't have that. And it's unfortunate, but it's a reality. And it, it, like I said, it's about pushing the right buttons, knowing the matchups, trusting trusting your your intel on, on the opposing lineup in, sp- in specific situations. It's about prep. And it's yeah. about prep and having a real feel for the game at the same time. So uh, it's a lot of pressure on Nevin to get it right is, is what it comes down to. You know, you talk about Rysel Iglesias from a year or so ago. I think back recently to... Aaron Loop of April of last year, how lockdown solid he was. And he was pretty good, if not great, up until that sweep of Texas last year when the the Angels season really catapulted down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, he's been the, he was like the trend. It's like when he started losing, the team started. It's a very weird, convoluted situation that the Angels bullpen has always been facing. But last year was kind of a glimpse of, ooh, this is nice for a change that, you know, we have something to play with. So the bullpen is, again, get your rosary beads out, fans. You hope for the best. Matt Moore, luckily, has been an, a tremendous bright spot in that yes. bullpen. And Wance has done a terrific job as well. You know, hopefully we see Jeremy, uh, Jimmy Herget come back at some point. I know he's ironing. Iron, oh, pardon me. I can say that better. Ironing some things better in AAA right now with some of his pitch repertoire. So we'll see how it goes along in the coming weeks with the Angels bullpen. Aaron Loop is on the IL right now, so hopefully maybe when he comes back, he'll recreate himself just like Ryan Tapera has through his first two appearances since coming off the IL. We hope for the best. Now to the starters. I think this is where we might be a little more scared or unsure of ourselves because the Angels have some dogs in this starting rotation, but they're not acting like dogs. They were supposed to be. They were supposed to be. Right now, they're a little, instead of being big, great Danes, they're being little chihuahua dogs at the moment. And not, nothing against either one of those dogs. That's just, you know, verbatim. Otani's been great. 4-0, and an ERA around 2.5. His last two starts, a couple home run balls have gotten away from him. But overall, Otani is what Otani does. I, I think we yeah, can he, agree on that. He, he could be better. That's the funny thing. His command really has dipped this year, but mm-hmm. his stuff's so electric that he's still getting strikeouts. But when he's making mistakes, he's making bad ones. So uh, all in all, though, he's he's pitched well. He's easily been the best starter. And uh, it's funny that we're talking about how, in my mind, it's, it's almost a disappointment because I know he can be better. I'm sure he feels the same way with how hard he is on himself. Uh, there is a lot of room for improvement, which is good, considering that his floor has been excellent. So yeah. Uh, the the obvious bright spot of the rotation. And we talk about this all the time. A, a regular year for Mike Trout is somebody else's career year. Right. Same thing with Shohei Otani. So on the mound, are we worried about Shohei Otani? No. no. You know, a 13 strikeout performance a week or so ago, he's fine. He'll iron himself out. No problem at all. The rest of the rotation, well, okay. Buckle your seatbelts, fans. Here we go for the next segment of pitching for the Angels. Um, So far, with Suarez not an answer for this question because he has been placed on the IL with a shoulder strain. How convenient after giving up many and many and many of runs this Uh, season. 300 runs so far? Yeah, yeah. All with two hours or something? Yeah. So Suarez is on the shelf for a little while. Before I answer, ask the question... It has been nice to see Griffin Canning come back. I think that was something that we weren't 
fully expecting this early in the season? I honestly, I didn't expect it to ever happen again. Really? After the, the luck with the Angels pitching yeah. history, uh, uh, injuries like taking careers the way it has with this organization, I am shocked that he's pitching again in the majors. Yeah, so it's been nice to see Canyon. I know his ERA is above five right now, but he's giving the Angels somewhat quality starts. He's actually pitching in to the fifth and sixth inning. How about that? You don't get that that often from the Angels pitching rotation. But Canning and Suarez aside for a moment, we'll talk about the back end of the uh, starting rotation in a second, but that middle rotation, two, three, four, Sandoval, Anderson, and Detmers. Out of those three, we'll, we'll touch on each of them here, but who has disappointed you the most through the first six rotations around the starting rotation? They all have it for different reasons, so I'll kind of get into that briefly. With with Anderson, it's disappointing that our uh, pessimism won out. It's like, hey, new Angels pitcher from free agency who's coming off a really great year. He's obviously going to regress. Happened. Uh, Sandoval dominates the World Baseball Classic, looks like one of the best pitchers in the world. Hasn't really lived up to that hype this season. Hasn't matched how good he was last year. But for me, I think Detmers... Uh, it's probably the biggest disappointment just because this season was supposed to be the next step. And um, that's that second half of last year was so promising and he's really taken a step back and hasn't really given the angels much. Uh, it's really sad to see because we all have such high hopes for him and he can still get there, but there's kind of a window here with Otani and trout and we don't really have time to let guys develop the majors anymore and work <laughs> through their mistakes. You should, should have it mostly down and he just hasn't he just hasn't looked ready which is really unfortunate because at times last year i mean you look at the no hitter you you know what the potential is mm-hmm. and he's just not close to it right now no and the funny thing is were you listening to my guest appearance on the halos in the infield podcast because i said the very same exact thing i did yes about reed detmers he worries yeah. me the most because it's We've been talking about him since he got drafted, and we, we a lot of fans wanted him at the big league level, even though he got drafted during the pandemic. Like, okay, let's see him in September. Let's just throw him out there. It's COVID. We don't care. Let's just see what he's got. No, it just hasn't worked out. The second half of last year was fantastic. The no-hitter, the last Angel game you were at, I think, live in person still. Am the I last correct? last one I'll go to until they win the World Series or the team is sold. Yeah. Now let's be disclaimer, folks. David still loves his angels and he still supports. It's yes. just the whole. Artie There's Moreno. one man in the <laughs> franchise. Maybe maybe more than one, but but the the figurehead that I uh, <laughs> some people uh, I'm, I'm going to keep my money to myself in some aspects. This is yeah. one of those. Yeah, we digress here, but yes, Artie Moreno is that answer. Ding ding ding. You went on the prices right, but Reed Detmers has been a funky story because you he could throw seven innings of one run ball, but then like this weekend against Texas, can't he only goes four innings, can't get at, get into the fifth and he struggles. The strikeouts are there, but again, like many other angel pitchers in history, he reminds me a little bit of Andrew Heaney gets the two outs and then psychs himself out works too finely and then a walk leads to a hit, leads to another hit, and it's a chain reaction. And that's the tough thing about Reed Detmers, knowing how good his ceiling can be, or even the floor, 
and he's mm-hmm. just kind of floating. Well, in that's the tough thing about pitching, right? And, and yeah. in general, it's the ones who who have these long careers, these Hall of Fame careers. There's a mental toughness. There, there is a it, baseball in itself is a lot. It, a lot of it can be described as a mental game, and you have to have this fortitude, this this persistence. This, to, to be frank, the dog in you to go out on the mound <laughs> exactly. in front of, you know, 30 plus thousand fans and have the spotlight on you and, and just close the, close the door, shut the door on another mm-hmm. team. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of guys can't hack it. That's why uh, uh, finding a great closer is so hard. Cause that's when the pressure's automatically on, yep. but with, you know, you see a lot of these young kids and for as long as I've been a fan over the last 30 years, there's always pitchers who come up and, they, they struggle with that mentality. And I don't, th- and you know, I think Detmers does have that dog in him. I, th- I just think he needs to unleash it. I don't know why. He needs to talk to someone, work with someone, find it again. Cause we've seen it. Yeah. Like unleash, unleash the beast. He's yes. there. He's there. You know, besides Reed Detmers, he's got it in him. He needs to work through some things. Tyler Anderson, the newcomer from the Dodgers. I think the big key for Tyler Anderson has been just a lack of command. I think he's right. he's spotting too much. His when his changeup is on, it's on. We saw it against Milwaukee. He was a dog in that game, and he's used to the National League, and he proved it right then in interleague play. But then we see him against Texas lose a little bit. He got bailed out by the bullpen and and the offense. But I think it's just a command thing. He's a veteran. I can see him ironing things out. Now, if we get to maybe mid June and it's the same old song and dance, then I think we have to bite our tongue a little bit and say okay is this maybe just year one jitters and we have to just deal with it as angel fans that's a tough one for tyler anderson and patrick sandoval i think is even funnier because his numbers and after tonight his the book is closed they're going to the top of the eighth right now astros and angels tied at four um sandoval tonight goes six and a third innings gives it four runs on seven hits strikes out two walks zero which is a big key for Sandoval. He's always in years past been a five strikeout, four walk kind of performance type player. Overall this season now in seven appearances, three and one record. He leaves with a no decision tonight, a 3.41 ERA and 37 innings with 26 strikeouts and a whip of 1.24. Numbers on paper, I'm taking that. But as a number two, maybe they need to be that 1% better to elevate that game to the next level, I think, especially from what we saw in the World Baseball Classic. Sure, he hasn't been dominant, and we know he can be. So I, it's a waiting game, I think, with him. I think, you know, like I said, the numbers look good. Um, so I think eventually the eyeball test will pass at the same time. It may just be waiting out early season struggles. And that really, it really could be that simple. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much to look into with him. But if these continue, all these struggles with with the rest of the rotation and not named Otani, the ceiling is 500 ball, slightly over, really, no matter how good the offense is. I know for sure. I pegged the Angels uh, in the Halos in the infield, our friends over at Heaty, uh, their preseason rankings. I had the Angels in the final wild card spot at 86 games, beating, I want to say it was the Twins by one game. So 86 wins puts us four games over 500. 
Is it, or five games over 500, I should say. Doable with what we see so far through 35 games, yes or no? No, I think the pitching just has to get better. Mm-hmm. The Angels have stolen some wins. Uh, they've gotten lucky. Um, you can't, you just can't rely on luck. Yeah, us Angel fans can't rely on luck. If you learned anything from the Anaheim Ducks today, we can't rely on luck. You have to take (laughs) it. You have to take what you want. You have to earn it. Um, The Angels can't expect like the AL East to to tank. All all of those teams will be the playoff contention. No, the the Yankees will figure it out like the Astros when they get healthy. It's and a matter I don't of see any of those teams tanking and, and falling apart. Um, and then the central, it could be a two-team thing. Uh, uh, with with you know Cleveland could turn around, turn it around, and start catching the Twins. Um, I still don't think much of that division, but no. that's still a playoff spot. And and the Angels certainly don't deserve special treatment over anyone in the central because they haven't earned it. You have to go out and take what take it. You have to go grab it, grab the bull by the horns, right? <laughs> And and, uh, and and earn it. And right now they're kind of relying on bullpens being bad to, to save them late in the games. Yep. And if they if we can expect the Angels to improve, which I think is fair, you can also expect the rest of the teams in the league to improve as the season progresses. The Angels cannot afford. They're not the organization that can do this in baseball to lose a series to the Royals or the Tigers or the White Sox teams at the or Oakland. You can't do it. It just and this goes this goes for most of the AL West. The Angels yeah. are in the same oh, as, as, as the Mariners and the Rangers. I don't want to. I don't want to come off like I'm picking on the Angels with this. This is uh, same criticism for those teams. There's the, the AL race is going to be so tight this year. You have to figure your stuff out by the end of this month. Yeah, and same thing. And it would go for the AL East as well because it's so competitive. Right. Toronto can't afford to botch a series against the A's. And while Toronto is sweeping Tampa Bay or vice versa, you know, however it works out. So that's where it becomes interesting to round out the pitching conversation. And before we talk about Suarez, because I know that's the biggest pitcher Angels Twitter and everybody has been talking about. Quick note on uh, Griffin Canning. Four appearances, a 2-0 record of 5.31 ERA in 20 and a third innings, 18 strikeouts and a whip of 1.33. It's probably best case scenario. I think best case scenario. I think we were maybe thinking it's like, we didn't think he'd be here maybe till late in the year. And he's at least showing us something and giving us something. He's not just. He's not getting killed, which is good. Exactly. So it's helpful situations for the angels. The big one. And we'll, and we'll kind of go through this one a little quicker. Now that he's been shelved on the IL, how, how opportune timing. Uh, Jose Suarez. He is on the IL. So first and foremost, all health. To Jose Suarez, we don't wish injury upon anybody, but the 25-year-old lefty, a one-in-two record. Are you buckled your seatbelt, folks? A 9.62 ERA in 24 and a third innings, 21 strikeouts, and a whip over two at 2.14. This is a simple question. He has no options left. When he becomes healthy, they're probably going to get him in a bullpen game or a start. After that, do you DFA him if he struggles? Or do you somehow find a trade package, as we talked about in the offseason, matching him with either David Fletcher or Joe Adele, Adele thriving in AAA, per usual, and David Fletcher after being pushed back 
basically now the outlier of this infield group and being shunned to Salt Lake City and playing at the AAA level. How do you think? Uh, I'll start with Adele. Um, I think you have to keep him as insurance. He looks so good at the plate. Future DH doesn't have to play the field if Otani's gone. Not the worst possibility out there. I think uh, I think you hold on to him considering Artie's not going to go out and spend the money. Uh, and I wouldn't really spend the money on a DH anyway. Um, so he's kind of insurance in that sense. There is a, there is a path forward for Adele if Otani is not back. Just don't that choke. That being said. <laughs> just, just don't choke. Yeah, just don't choke. <laughs> don't uh, just choke. <laughs> come up, come up and, 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 and do half of what you're doing in, in the minors, and people are going to love you. Yeah. Um, Fletcher's an interesting, interesting case, a really sad case. Uh, everyone knows how much I love the kid. Uh, it's really ruined for him. I don't see a path forward for him unless they just lose all their one-year signings. Even then that he's not really going to get much look at the big league club this year. So what does that mean for his future? I think moving on from him, probably like logically motions aside is probably the right move. Now, now we're talking about packaging Suarez. <laughs> Here's the thing. They really botched the off season. First of all, you had, I'm curious. I know Ren Heathrow's kind of picked it up lately. I want to know what offers were for him because I don't think they're going to be as high going forward. Unless he has uh, a turnaround. Unless he has a complete turnaround. And he has been better. I'll, I'll grant him that, but not good enough to, to probably warrant what the Angels were getting <laughs> in the offseason. Yeah, probably but not. Swore's probably getting some looks, and he has been less than ideal. Uh, I think that's me That's me being kind. <laughs> uh, I don't think he has a future on this team, and I don't really know if he has a future on any team. Then again, it could just be an Angels curse and he goes to the next team and, and figures it out. But I'm pretty sure most fans at this point would make their peace with that. It's not going to work here. Um, if you can package him in a Fletcher deal, great. I don't know why another team would take him, uh, trade for him. I, I can understand uh, uh, taking a, a flyer after a DFA, but um, there's no reason to trade for uh, a 10 ERA pitcher who's in his mid-20s. He's already had some big league experience and he hasn't figured it out yet. I mean, what the 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 upside really isn't much. So that doesn't mean someone won't take a chance on him. I just don't see anyone wanting to give up any sort of asset for him unless it's, it's the Angels taking back some salary or something, something different. If they can package him in a Fletcher trade and get something of value back that they need, great. But just I Man, I'm just blown away by how bad he's been. Um, he had that really nice start a couple starts ago, and I was kind of like, well, maybe maybe he's okay now, and then next start blows up again. Um, it's not, rough, man. I'm it's not surprised rough. at the end of the day that the Milwaukee game as of right now was a fluke. I'm not right. surprised, and that's tough to say, but based on the numbers – that's truth-telling, and Suarez, if you packaged him with Fletcher in the offseason, once you got Urshela and Drury and Renfro and all these pieces, and you were on the fence about, is it going to be Renhifo? And remember, Jared Walsh is still on the outside looking in, and that could be another wrinkle in this entire situation. Yeah, I, that, exactly. I don't <laughs> When like, that comes up. Walsh is also that utility guy. He can play the outfield at this point. So where's Fletcher going to play? 
there's no spot for him. Uh, and it sucks that they um, didn't really maximize maybe some of that trade value in the offseason. That, that no one's gone up in trade value so far. No. And, and by the way, as we're speaking, uh, uh, Drury tripled uh, in the eighth inning to take the lead. Yeah. So the Angels have a lead. Let's let's see if the Bulls Estevez. can. It's going to be an Estevez kind of night. We will be tested yeah. on, you know, it's it's timely about, about our concerns about the bullpen and uh, how we may, maybe we feel a little bit better about the bullpen than we do the rotation at the moment. Maybe but, at the moment. Just uh, maybe. I, guess now, I like how this comes up in the, Suar, the Suarez part of the conversation that this happens in. But, hey, Matt Moore. Good for, good for the kid because, I mean, there's not much more that can be said about Suarez in that – Man, there's no nice words to put out there, and I feel bad. Like these, these are these are at the end of the day, they're 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 young young men. Um, they know they're not pitching well. Nope. And they're not stupid. They they <laughs> understand that they're putting their teams in really tough positions, and they understand that their careers are on the line. And Suarez may never see major league action again. We don't know. Um, I believe I believe your opinion is correct that they'll try him out at least one more time, and if he blows up there, that's that's that. But uh, I feel bad for the kid, um, but at the same time, it's a business, and he's not working out for the Angels, and I, I just don't see a future with him with this ball club. Yeah, and and before I get to my point on Suarez, speaking of the bullpen a moment ago being a little bit better, Matt Thijs sacked fly 6-4 Angels. And, he's picked it up. And he's picked it up, and guess what? Matt Moore, who we talked about as an all-star in the bullpen, thus far, depending, I'm going to guess Estevez is probably going to come in for the ninth, an inning and two-thirds inning for Matt Moore tonight. No runs, no hits, no walks, one strikeout. Drops the ERA to 1.00. Good start for Matt it. Moore. But for to, to wrap up things on Suarez, I was in the house at the Big A when he tossed that nine-inning complete game against Texas. I believe it was, was it last year or 20, I think 2021 when he threw that complete game shutout against the Rangers. Angels won 3 nothing, I believe. Otani had a home run that night and you're thinking, wow, maybe this is the turning point. He comes in in the bullpen or kind of was a swing guy early last year and then figures out how to become a starter. But it was always a lack of innings that he would pitch in. That was always the problem for me. He was a three and two thirds to five and a third kind of player and more so three and two thirds to four and a third kind of pitch. Well, now he still is. And he still is. <laughs> so whatever happened back then is still happening. That's why when we had discussions in the offseason, I was a very big proponent of the Angels and even the season before of bringing back Michael Lorenzen or even Alex Cobb. They were innings eaters. And that was something. Cobb's having a nice season this year, too. And that would, would have been something huge for this Angels lineup right now in the starting rotation, even if their ERAs were four and a half and above. But to get you six and two thirds, seven innings sometimes and save this bullpen that's been herky jerky. That would be huge. It would be a huge positive, a huge coup for the Angels right now. But Suarez averaging probably about three and two-thirds to that four and a third innings of work is not going to get it done. So I feel bad for the guy. Yes, you never want to wish injury or poor performances or whatever the case may be. But I do see Phil Nevin and the pitching staff giving him one last chance in a starter's role if he's healthy. Because who knows? We could wake up tomorrow and it's a torn labrum and he's done for the year. You know, it's always something weird. Would that be surprising? <laughs> that would be weird if you're the angels and weird in quotations, but 
it's an interesting scenario. You you got to do something with him because I don't think he's got a, a too long of a leash. The leash is probably as big as my pinky finger at this point. You can't be stagnant with the no, decision. Because if you want to be stagnant and just leave him in the back end of the rotation, right now the Angels' schedule for the rest of May actually favors a five-man rotation over a six with some off days in between. So maybe in some way, shape, or form, the Angels catch a break, keep a five-man rotation, and that stalls the process of Suarez getting healthier or figuring out option B of some triple A guys or whatever they beautiful you magical match. Me. I'm an Angels pessimist. I do think Otani likely leaves at the end of the season. So get your value for him right now. Make him go <laughs> every fifth game. Yeah. Use him up. Right. I don't want to I don't want to save him up for the Dodgers next year. Get get your max value out of Otani. Uh, you have, I mean, make your run or or show him that you you're you're just committed, and by showing him you're committed, you're winning games. And by winning games, you're playing with Tony as much as possible. Yeah, because the if, math the is Angels, there. if the Angels can keep winning, like they, let's say they play seven games a week, if they can go four and three and five and two every other week up to the All Star break, they're going to be a serious candidate to actually make positive moves towards the playoffs at the trade deadline instead of the, we're going to get rid of Syndergaard, we're going to get rid of Brandon Marsh, who's having a fantastic year with the Phillies. I wonder how that happens. Um, you know, maybe. maybe Here's I'm, how he changed his whole batting approach. First in, week he was there. In one off, Coaching one, one week and in one off season with the Phillies, look how the turnaround is for Brandon Marsh. It's, it's phenomenal. You know what? Big ups to the bearded wonder. Absolutely. Tip of the cap to him. I know Cindergaard's maybe not having the greatest start of the year with the Dodgers, but it's the Dodgers pitching lab. He'll figure it out. That's just the Angels' luck. The Angels could really make moves this summer if they don't, you know, for lack of a better words, F around and find out. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't, don't be complacent. Don't be lackadaisical and unfocused and lose two of three to the White Sox. Don't lose two of three to Oakland which thankfully they haven't done yet. But for examples like these, up 6-4 in the ninth, go win games. Win. Against win a, a limping team like the Astros, go win. So hopefully in the middle of this podcast, we can announce light that baby up and the Angels take game one. That would be nice. That yes. would be nice. But knowing the Angels, they'll probably take 45 minutes to pitch the ninth inning. And, you know, it just happens in that manner. Um, but before we... Close out shop here on another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast uh, with your host, Dominic Lorenz, and co-host David Goodkind. It's always bad, uh, not bad. It's bad that we haven't been able to do podcasts in a while. I've been super busy doing high school baseball, and I know David's been super busy with work, so we're finally getting back into the groove of things. I know as we get into the summer, we're going to be doing more partnership stuff with Halos in the infield. They got some great stuff going on over there. So check them out as well on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but it's so good to be back with David talking Angels baseball. We have, you know, this is a positive. It's the start to the Angels season. It hasn't been amazing and it hasn't been downright awful. It's been in the middle, but a lot of good things to take from it. And the negatives are almost things that we can improve on. And it's not too far out of the grasp. They're not dead. They're not dead in the water. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an easy that's, that's a, an easy way to say it. They're not dead. <laughs> they're, they're 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 still alive. Um, they can't be ruled out yet. They're not close to being ruled out yet, which is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, they had a big setback against Texas. 
but it's not the end of the world. And this is coming from someone who is who firmly believes that nothing good will happen to the Angels under the uh, Artie Moreno ownership. So for <laughs> me to concede that the, the team, um, they're not where they should be, where they need to be, but they're not, they're not, they they can still reach that point. And yeah. I still believe that. So for me to admit that, that, that means something. And it's a perfect way to get to the last little part of the show that we want to talk about before wrapping things up. You mentioned that, you know, two word phrase, Artie Moreno. And there were some funny things that happened at the end of last homestand that kind of came into this homestand a little bit. The day after the angels had that mammoth loss to the Oakland A's on that horrific Monday, 13 to 12 and 10 or 11 innings, whatever it was. I just, I put in the back of my mind and it's forgotten now. The next day they win five to three and you have Patrick O'Neill, Garrett Anderson and Mark Langston on the desk underneath the big hat and coming out of a Phil Nevin interview, coming back to the screen, you hear the chance, sell the team, sell the team. And boy, Artie Moreno took that and said, you know what? It's like a parent grounding their five-year-old for breaking something in the house. You did it. You deserve it. So guess what we're going to do to slap you on the wrist? We're moving the pre- and post-game show inside the stadium so the fans can't be heard. Take that. Yeah, Artie Moreno doing business once again. I love Fun, how huh? we have state, state media. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just, uh, it, uh, it never gets <laughs> better. <laughs> you gotta laugh. You just have to, at this point, we're so we're so programmed to just laugh it off right now and just be like you this better. Is, I mean it's if, already if being already together a winner. How long until the uh the Angels fans turn like the way Oakland has? How long? Right? You would have think it happened already. You think it should have happened already. It happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> He is one, but there's many of you out there. I can promise you that yes, there's there many is. of you. I have out a lot there. of friends who won't go to games either, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't hold it against you if you do. I, I love baseball. I get it. I really, yeah. I do get it. But uh, I hit, I hit my breaking point. Yeah, I'll be honest. This is how I am. This is where David and I differ. But guess what? We're still on a podcast. We're still good buddies. This is how it rolls. David has his opinion. This is mine. With as bad and as disgraceful as Artie Moreno and a lot of the upper brass for the Angels is right now to not only us as fans, but just to baseball in general. As much as it pains me, I'm going to go and support because I'm not going to allow their indiscretions to ruin my chance at watching history with players like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Because guess what? Shohei may be not wearing an Angels uniform next year, and Angel fans might collectively have to buy a fill-in-the-blank team uniform just to support Shohei Otani because he's like a lovable teddy bear that we are not going to hate unless he hits a walk-off home run in the seventh inning in the World Series against us. Mike Trout is Mike Trout. He's been doing goat things since his rookie year. I'm not going to let that opportunity slip through my fingertips, and I think that's what's keeping me grasping at straws in a sense and it's good to see some of the younger talent. Zach Neto's been a bright spot. You know, the new players. Renfro has been a great spark plug in the middle of the order. Drury's finding his way. Taylor Ward, defensively, he's been good. He's finding his bat. Logan Ohapi, we haven't even got to him, and we might not because he's injured right now, but he was such a terrific bright spot coming yeah. to start the year. He was the team RBI leader for the first two, three weeks of the season. It's crazy. But So it's moments like that that I'm not going to prevent 
aka big brother up there in the right field offices preventing me from that type of support do i hate, sure. do i hate giving that parking money do i hate paying that beer price you know am i chomping at the bit when a buddy of mine or somebody wants to buy me tickets and i don't have to put the bill you dang right i am just like i am monday may 22nd i will be at the angels versus red Sox game it's the last game to cross off the bucket list, I will have officially seen every American League team at the Big A in my life by by watching the Boston Red Sox, which is... I'm going to warn you about that. That crowd is, is e- easily on par with the Dodger. It's worse than the Yankees. It's worse than any division rival. You're in for a... Uh, oh, I know I am. A time. I, I know. What kind of I time could... that is, I won't say, but you're in for a time. Oh, yeah. The, the the two game, the game against the Dodgers, the one game I've been to against the Dodgers, I've been to two Angel-Dodger games at Dodger Stadium. I'm still alive, thank you. Uh, <laughs> one of them, the Jared Weaver-Arredondo no-hitter game. Uh, and the Yankee game was a home game on Memorial Day. I forget the year, but it was a year Jared Weaver pitched, didn't do great. Joe Girardi got ejected. And Mark Trumbo hit a walk-off two-run homer. Great game to shut up some Yankee fans. And the Dodger game at home, I think, at the Big A was, I think, was when the Dodgers were kind of dipping and the Angels won. So it was both times the fans went silent. But the Yankee fans were the worst for me. I've never been to a Red Sox game. So this is going to be, a, you know, as they say in Aladdin, a whole new world. I don't sing. That's as good as it's going to get fans. The the ballpark (laughs) seems different, man. It does. Uh, I haven't. I, I intentionally stay away from those big games too. against like the Dodgers, Yankees. It's just extra stress and the ticket rowdy. prices. The ticket prices are normally outrageous too. But the tickets aren't great, and it's just it's a rowdy environment. It is not kid friendly. No, uh, I wouldn't recommend bringing your children to any series against those teams. The, the Red Sox. I'm curious. It's been a long time. It's been probably like five years since I've seen them play in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see what you get, but my past history, all those playoff series I used to go to, you know, oh, man, it's a tough uh, one. It's tough. It, it, it makes baseball not fun because you're just <laughs> it, now you're dealing with your surroundings instead of your attention on the field. It's a holder. It's a holder uh, environment, and, that, and yeah. you'll be sort of used to it with the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yeah, you know, it, it's a combination of check the last one off the bucket list. I've officially seen all the AL teams. I only have four NL teams left on the list, so instead of hitting all ballparks across America first. I'm hitting at least seeing every team once off the list, which is kind of cool for me. Um, you know, it's it's good until it's not. You, you know, you'll enjoy that game against the Red Sox for me if the Angels win. If the Angels lose, you're never going to hear the end of it. But that's the beauty of sports at the end of the day. And speaking of the beauty of sports, it's a final. Light that baby up as the Angels defeat the Astros in game one, six to four. Six runs on 11 hits, two errors for the Halos, four runs, seven hits, no errors for the Astros. The win goes to Matt Moore, two and one. Montero, the loss. Estevez, a clean one, two, three, ninth inning, eighth save, and an ERA that is plummeting now to a very low 1.02. Stars of the game. I, you know, I normally have to do this for Huntington Beach High School. I'm, I'm voice of their baseball team this year. So this is like my, my beautiful post-game show. Uh, you know, David, let's take a look at the box score and just have fun. Who's the star of the game? Otani, two for four with two ribbies. I think that's a big star. Uh, the bullpen's the star of the game. And you know what? Give Drury one for four with the RBI. Good stars of the game tonight for the Angels to 
bounce back after a really, really bad last two days against the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give it to Otani, keeping the, keeping the team in it when uh, they needed that, 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 uh, Big uh, third inning to kind of really quiet, settle, settle back into the game. So I'll give Otani the credit there. But, yeah, they need to win the series. Uh, great start, obviously. Um, pick another dub tomorrow, and a lot of the bad feelings we had about Texas probably dissipate a bit. Yeah. So right, winning, winning cures all, man. Winning, winning cures, cures all. See, we started the podcast very salty about our Ducks, but now we can at least have a smile on our face knowing that the Angels won. And I'm still incredibly <laughs> salty about that. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, uh, that Calder Trophy's coming to Anaheim in, yeah. 20, in uh, 2024. I'm just going to say that. And it's, we'll, and we'll we're hoping. That. We're hoping and praying. But for you, the fans, before we close out shop here on another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast, Final two games of the Angels' homestand before a day off on Thursday and before hitting the road in three in Cleveland and four in Baltimore is the next road trip. Tomorrow night, 638 first pitch, Valdez against Shohei Otani on the bump. And then Wednesday, day baseball at the Big A, a 107 game. It'll be good weather in Anaheim. It'll be Christian Javier against Griffin Canning. So some good pitching matchups. It's going to be tough. The Angels always have a tough time against uh, Javier. Valdez 50 50 split sometimes it depends how it goes so I feel like tomorrow's probably must win yeah you know if Otani can be Otani last year I, I I found this stat last night recording with Fernando from Halos in the infield last year hopefully it's not jinxing but hopefully it's the reverse jinx here Shohei Otani in all starts against the Houston Astros last year he never gave up more than one earned run and he had eight or more strikeouts in all but one matchup against the Astros. So he has the Astros by the number. They're limping right now without Altuve and some of their star pitchers like Lance McCullers. They're just not firing on all cylinders. If they want to fire on all cylinders, start it this weekend when the Angels aren't playing you. Shohei's on the bump tomorrow. It's showtime on Tuesday at the Big A. Um, but hopefully the Angels can at least take one of the final two games, win the series, Enjoy finally a day off before kicking off a road trip in Cleveland and Baltimore. Before we go, David, any final thoughts here on episode number 15? No, just uh, angels are, are, are a pleasant surprise at this, at this point. Um, keep it going. Keep them better, man. And, and uh, prove me wrong. Prove the doubters wrong. I, one of these things I'd love to be wrong about. And uh, the ducks, you're going to be okay. And um uh, uh, screw Boston or screw Chicago. I yeah. Say. Hey, screw yeah. Boston too. I don't want them winning when I'm always screw me. Boston, but, <laughs> but uh, no, screw uh, everybody here. Who screw, knows? Screw, screw Chicago today, man. That yeah, that, that sucks. But uh, both I, I, I Ducks are gonna be fine, and the Angels can be fine. So go take it. Go be fine. Absolutely. Out of the words of David Goodkind, I'm Dominic Lorenz. This is Catella Chronicles. You can follow us on our website, www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com, as well as Twitter and Instagram, at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. Like, comment, and subscribe. Do your business, fans. Hopefully you enjoyed another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast. Ducks, yes, we are salty about the Angels. We got some hope. Got a dub tonight. Looking for another one tomorrow. But until the next time, David, as always, cheers to you. Good to be back. We keep it rolling here at KC. Not Kansas City, it's Catella Chronicles. <laughs>
But until next time, David, good to see you. Good to chat with you fans. As always, like, comment, and subscribe. We love you guys so much. Check out our friends at Halos in the Infield. They got some great stuff going on on their Instagram and Twitter. They're also sponsored by 714 Tickets this year. So use their code HITI, which is H-I-T-I, for 10% off your purchase, and you get 5% cash back as well. So it's great to be partnered with some good people over there at Halos in the Infield. But until next time, I'm Domical Renz. That's David Goodkind. This is Catella Chronicles. Have a good night, everybody. Cheers to you.